All right. Well, all you rinky-dinking heads, I can't say it the way Tote says it, but welcome to another edition of Rinky Dinking. And oh my, oh my, do we have a lot to talk about this week. Mike Heika, how are you? Doing great. I'm yeah. so happy to be back in the building. Back in, are you in some kind of a building or? You know, American Airlines Center. Was speaking oh, we'll get to that. I, I, yeah, you're so eager. You're eager. I was just, I was Mike. just throwing out like a, a little tease, a little taste of what's coming. Easy. Just because you do the pregame show on Fox doesn't mean you're a <laughs> broadcaster now. But you're trending in that direction. And I actually have a category about guys who've been in our area of expertise that have moved on. We've moved people on in a good way, I think. <laughs> uh, and also the, the great Jeff Totes, who I told uh, uh, through the, uh, the magic of text messaging Prior to the Stars opening the season, I rewatched We're Not Going Home and enjoyed that thoroughly. Just a, a wonderful compendium of what went on up in the bubble. So way to go, Jeff. Appreciate How that. was your opening weekend? It was hectic, but happy to be back in the swing of things. What do you mean it was hectic? Crazy. Because of the taxi squad? or <laughs> Just because of general protocol and new... Yeah, new uh, new rules all the way How around. How is it for you getting around American Airlines Center? It's very limited. Um, it's funny, I was talking to one of the security guys, and it's very different. The bubble was an ideal setup for someone in my job in terms of being you able go to get anywhere. anywhere instantly with zero. There, I mean, there's no levels of security clearance. It's all, if you're there, it's all access. Um, so then being at AAC and with fans, it's very limited. Uh, entrances are very strictly regulated and how you can get to certain areas where you can and can't go. It, uh, so a big part of the weekend was just figuring that out. But I think we're good now. Well, I look forward to seeing whatever you put out. Uh, we've seen some of it already, no doubt. I got hey, Totsi. rhyme, too. I've been a rapper. What's up, Mike? Uh, how much of the Mike, photography Mike, that we see? This isn't a con- <laughs> conversation. We're just here just talking. I'm, how much I'm of the kidding. photography we see online do you do? Because some of these shots, I think, have been really great, and I know you've been oh, kind of stretching. he's calling you out now, Totsi. No, I just said you've been stretching your legs with photography. I know you like it. And <laughs> some of these shots online, I think, are great. I'm going like, I wonder if Totes took that. I did not. None of them. Okay. Uh, sorry to report. That's okay. <laughs> Wish I could take credit. Most of the video stuff. Yeah, in the bubble, because Jeez. of limited Jeez. people and resources, I was doing a lot of photo and video. But now that we kind of have a lot of our team photographers back in the back in the groove than I was just shooting video these past couple games. But once we're on the road, then I'll be back to some stills. Yeah. And I think even in practice, I've seen a couple of, Oh yeah. Throughout training camp. Those were mine. Yeah. Good stuff. Appreciate it. All right. Well, if we had more listeners than fingers on my hand, we don't anymore after that exchange. (laughs) Thanks Mike. Do we, I I send you the format. Can you not follow along? (laughs) I'm trying to, you know, kind of just, yeah, Weave I know. You're spreading your wings a little bit. <laughs> spreading my wings a little bit. Stretching so, my legs. I apologize for my voice, but I, w- I got so absolutely enthralled and tickled with the opening weekend Dallas Stars electrocution of the Nashville Predators uh, that I left it all out there at, at AAC. What, what, what an incredible opening weekend of power play acumen, uh, the the likes of which we've never seen, Mike. Oh, yeah. no, I don't know if anybody has. What, the Red Wings in 40 no, or something like that? We've, we've seen it. <laughs> we being people, but not, yes. not you and I. True. It was amazing. The thing I liked about it the most, I think, is just how consistent it was. Like, they moved the puck quickly, and it was from one power play to the next. The one last night I thought was fantastic because the scoring chance before the shift that scored the goal on the first power play I think was just as dangerous as the one that that, uh, scored the goal. I mean, they earned that by getting a couple of chances, boom, boom, in in a matter of 30 seconds or whatever. So they, they definitely are doing this. They're earning their power play goals. Well, dancing, you need two partners, and uh, you, you need the other side to be semi-accommodating, too. Uh, and, and, <laughs> they are uh, that. 
taking nothing away from what the stars have done uh, or did, but I mean, you're talking about a penalty kill that finished 28th last year and was absolutely shambolic on the weekend with, you know, trying to work in some new guys for them and just a non-confident group with what they're, they're doing. And confidence is such a big part of whether uh, it's an individual or it's a group like special teams. And there's no question that the stars power play uh, groupings were pretty confident uh, coming through the second period of game one. And then uh, ultimately in, in the second game as well. But I mean, to, to do what they did, I mean, it essentially won two games for them right out of the box. When, a lot of us were anticipating that the the stars were going to ha- have some issues here on the weekend. You know, Nashville had played games. The stars had 17 guys in COVID protocol and still have one uh, in no Blake Como on the weekend. And yet they, they come out, uh, Hadobin did what he does usually and did throughout the bubble where he just allows them to get their collective act together. And then once they do that, man away they went uh, with, you know, you just drape Joe Pavelski in Captain America colors and a shield. He was like a superhero. He really was uh, on on special teams on the weekend, and he wasn't alone. Uh, but for them to join, uh, I'm sounding like Peter Brady today, for them to join the, the mid-'90s Pittsburgh Penguins and the early-'40s Detroit Red Wings, you would have been in your late teens, I guess, up in Michigan for that, Mike? Probably fifth or sixth grade, yeah. 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 Uh, but, I mean, who, who saw it coming? And maybe a bigger question, can they sustain, not to that level, obviously, but can they sustain a power play this season in a shortened season that wins them games like it did on the weekend? But also, and maybe this is a bit of a stretch in, in the way games are played now, but it used to be that if you had a sizzling power play, it, it was like having a, a tough guy or a team policeman in that the other team isn't going to try to take liberties on on Miro Haskinen or any your young, skilled guys back in the day, Mike Madonna. Uh, if your power play is going to make them pay every time they they try to inflict some pain on individuals on your side. I don't think you see as much of that anymore. It it seems to be more about momentum changes. And then ultimately, depending on when it happens in a game, winning and losing. Agreed? Yeah. And I, and I do think it's uh, the thing it does nowadays is it backs the other team off defensively. They don't want to take a hook or a hold or interference penalty. So they kind of let you skate. They give you a little bit of space because they'd rather do that than take a penalty. If, if it's, you know, if chances of you guys scoring is 30 or 40%, um, then Seventy. all of a sudden now you've get, yeah, you get open ice. And they always talk about open ice being one of the most important things for a player. And a guy like Miro, especially, uh, if he gets open ice, then he can do something with it. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I I was like dumbfounded watching them go to work with it. Like, uh, the, I think the best one, obviously the first one of the week, Cam was a five on three, and it was beautifully executed between Radulov and Pavelski. But the the game winning goal yesterday, and we're doing this on Monday, uh, was everything that is going on with this power play right now. Where you had you had three guys and and on the business end of it was Joe Pavelski, but each individual that had the puck drew a penalty killer to him, showed poise, a little bit of patience, moved it to the right spot, moved it again, and then just a, a lethal, perfect short side roof job from Pavelski that ends up the, the the winning goal. And obviously, and almost totally the power play gets all the accolades on the weekend but the penalty kill did its job for the most part and it reminded me a little bit of of what went on in the playoffs but switched the other way where on the power play won the game for them with that power play goal in a lot of ways and got saves and all this other stuff went on do you remember back in the bubble when the the penalty kill would let a goal in or didn't look great early in a game but from the second intermission on 
it was almost impossible to score a power play goal against the Stars penalty kill. And that, to me, is critical execution. And if you have, if you have critical execution from important individuals and from those parts of your special teams, you're going to be a special team in the long run. And that's what this is shaping up to be for the Stars. They, they looked special on the weekend. Yeah, one of the things I've always loved about this team under Rick is they seem to really attack the details of the game. And one of the details is having your stick on the ice, having it in the passing lines, screwing people up. I mean, just messing up the other team. And you watch good teams come in here, and I know Nashville you know, didn't look like one this weekend, but we've seen good teams in the past where they don't look like themselves because the stars are messing them up. And that's a big part of the penalty kill. They just have a bunch of forwards who are good at mucking up the works for the other team. You know, the Foxes, the Dickinsons, the Coglianos, the Comos. He hasn't been out here, but they always have their stick in the way. They always seem to be so annoying, and even at even strength, but especially on the penalty kill. So, uh, you know, I know when Rick was running it, it was one of the top-ranked penalty kills in, in the league and I think it's probably getting back to that now yeah it was uh it was actually kind of amazing that the the stars penalty kill uh you know it, it never really seemed to fully find its its uh consistency after the coaching change when Rick left running that like dialing down on penalty kill and running the stars d to taking over the entire team it, it was fourth best from the beginning of the 2018-19 season, basically when he came on board, to the change. And then it ended up finishing 17th last year, and it had some, it had some rocky moments down the, the stretch. Uh, so, yeah, he, if you look at, at special teams, and this is, this is not a knock on, on any coaching because it's, it's very important. Man, they do, they do so much video work. And you talk about details and preparation with your assistant coaches, with either your power play or your penalty kill. But there's, there's I don't think there's any real question that your your penalty killing group is more about your coach and a system that you play. Obviously, it's sacrifice, you know, shot blocking and and the right types of individuals that that really take pride in in that skill to kill penalties it's hard work and it's dangerous work and goaltending so that's that side if, if you flip it over and I know you were pondering this you know what kind of a impact has Derek Laxtell had on the Stars power play because he's the guy that is in charge of that from a coaching perspective and you know nothing against what he's done obviously he's he's put some pretty good things in in place and but that's about all that your your power play coach can do is here are some tendencies, here are some basics. Most of it is your personnel and the players and ad-libbing. Their ability to read what is available and and then go to work with that and then execute under pressure because everybody kills pen, penalties with, with tons of pressure now. Nobody sits back in a box and says, go ahead, pass it around, try to pick us apart. Uh, so they, they all deserve credit. Every, it's a group effort always is with, especially with this, uh, organization right now, it seems to be a, a mantra and, and a belief that, uh, nobody really deserves the ultimate credit. It should be spread amongst everybody that's involved. And that's how it felt again on the weekend. Yeah, definitely. I, I will give Derek or, or whoever is doing this, whether it's the players themselves credit for the fact that they are moving the puck quickly. I think Rick said they're snapping it around and that has to come from practice. I think they have to, you know, as a group, they're sitting there going like, look, we need to move this quickly. And, you know, we don't sit there on the half board and, and look for three different options as soon as, you know, like almost know where the puck's going before it comes to you. And, you know, I do think that's something that they worked on very hard in practice and then it showed on the ice. And and maybe it's Nashville. Maybe they, you know, they just didn't do a good job of killing penalties <laughs> well, and getting sticks in the lane. Yeah, and you stuff. weren't up against top 10 penalty killing. Right. Let's not kid ourselves. And they, But you it know. really looked good. I mean, like, they were snapping it around. And it's yep. like, okay... I'm, when I get this puck, I'm going up to the point or I'm going to the, you know, to the box or I'm going to the net. Mm -hmm. Like they knew before they got the puck what they were going to do with it. And I think that really makes it difficult to defend against. And that, you know, whether that's Derek Laxdell or the players or whatever, it, it looked like a really good plan.
Well, he was an offensive player when I played against him in junior, and he was in Brandon, same team where Ray Ferraro scored 108. Uh, they knew how to put the puck in the net, and they had a very good, uh, very good power play back in the day. So that's usually how it. There, there's usually, you know, some shrapnel from that kind of experience and offensive acumen, if you will. It was tough to beat those goalies back in the day, though. Oh my God! All you do is hit the net. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, pretty, I mean, my God, unbelievable. Uh, just, just staggering. And Joe Pavelski, Joe, huh? My, it's like, and I've said this before, like during the regular season, I really was sitting there going like, eh, maybe he's done. I don't know. He looks like he's 25 out there right now. I mean, I, he really looks good. Like he just yeah. looks like a young player out there. Yeah. I, I had my concerns that, Again, he especially with a little bit of added responsibility with Tyler Sagan out injured. I was kind of like, man, that, that that's a lot um, with everything that's already gone on, and and yet he he looks phenomenal, like like spectacular, and and special teams in particular. So, you know, they they made him the second star in the NHL this week for good reason. He was involved in just about everything the Stars did offensively. And and I, I said it on the air. Like, if you if you go back to last season, and it was odd for him. I can't even imagine what it felt like early last season. You know, 13 years in San Jose, in Teal, and then you change places, and you're trying to get accustomed to everything. Then you have a coaching change out of nowhere. And you, you, I mean, you're trying to figure out where do I, you know, where do I fit in here? And the team's going okay, but not great. There are spurts, but there are fits. And then from the time we went back to San Jose, and maybe we make too much of the whole closure thing, but it really did seem like from that time on, uh, he was he was a remarkable, productive uh, Joe Pavelski. And his numbers bared it out, even in the regular season, even when this team wasn't scoring a lot. Like, like he, was, he was scoring goals and performing at a pretty good clip. And the understanding being that we, you think that's impressive? Wait till you see the playoffs. And wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, some guys are just built and some guys can ratchet it up. Some guys just have a clutch gene when, the, again, you know, critical execution – when games are on the line, they're at their best. And he yeah. he has that. And maybe sensing that, that there's a need heading into this very weird season, once again, he grabs a hold of it, showed leadership, skill, all the things that, that he possesses and, and was just phenomenal on opening weekend. Yeah, and I think he just likes it. I mean, as weird as that sounds, I know, you know, they like to play hockey and he's at a place where he's like, you know what? I may not be able to do this, you know, my whole life. And so I think when you get into these situations, you really enjoy it. And he really looks like he's having fun out there. And, he, and like you said, he does look like he's part of the group, uh, which I think was important out in San Jose. I mean, when we were out there, they loved him. And I think he loves San Jose. And so to find that magic, is a difficult thing, even in, you know, pro sports. And I think the fact that he's here and he's a good fit and he's having fun, it's great. It's great for him. I, I, I don't know if he thought that this was possible, you know, moving away from San Jose to try and get that energy back, but he's certainly got it back right now. Well, uh, what do you think he was more impressed by, being the NHL's second star of the week or getting back-to-back Occam's Razor star of the game nods from yours truly? I think the fact that he's the only... Occam Razor in history is something that he wears very proudly. Well, and understandably so. Uh, it's it's a, a brand new feature. Just to explain it a little bit, because I know you, you want it explained. Uh, do you know where Occam's Razor comes from? Do you uh, understand do. the principle? I do. Do you want me to explain it or do you want to? You do? It? Yeah. Well, well, hold it here. Do you know... Do you know who Occam was? No, I just know what it means. Oh, he's a 14th century logician and uh, Franciscan friar. 
known as William of Ockham. I'm Razor of Dallas, by the way. I'd like you to refer to me as Razor of Dallas. Uh, I, anyway, I will do that henceforth. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead with your explanation of Occam's Razor. I, I, I look forward to this. You're a smart dude. The simplest answer is the right one. Yeah, it's the Isn't law that, of parsimony. Yeah. I mean, it's that's a, all a I know problem, about it. Well, it's a problem-solving principle. which serves as a very useful uh, mental model, if you will. And uh, if you're going to do it in, in just pure layman's terms, uh, it, it is, uh, say there are two, two things that exist and, and need explanation. In, in this case, you know, one that requires the smallest number of assumptions is usually correct. Uh, another way of, of saying this would be that the more assumptions you have to make, the more unlikely your explanation is. So what I'm trying to do is simplify the start of the game uh, and and uh, just drill down to to the granulality of it and then award it. And that's that's what I did on the weekend. It's a real long, flowery way of saying who was the best player in the game or, or who was the most impactful. And who that player is, who I deem that player to be, becomes Occam's Razor star of the game very impressive Bam. i like it. isn't it though where it else really, are you gonna get that where else in sports let alone just in hockey are you gonna get that you might get the oh who's the who's the three stars of the game which is difficult because we are the stars how do you do three stars <laughs> yeah there are 18 of them in two goalies dressed so anyway thanks for indulging me and uh, <laughs> and thanks for your knowledge mike we inform and we entertain, Daryl. Well, yeah, uh, it's it's more information than entertain on our broadcasts. I know that, uh, and I apologize for it dearly, <laughs> week in and week out. We perform for thousands, and we entertain tens of hundreds. Uh, I bought a glimmer of normalcy at American Airlines Center, though. I mean, it was sweet to be back in there, and... I don't know. I mean, I get involved in my in my own world. I don't know what it felt like with four thousand people in a eighteen thousand seat arena, but it it sure, sure seemed uh, as normal as normal can be in these circumstances right now. How was it for you? Yeah, just being in the building and being able to watch people in person. On the good side, you know, you're like, you know what. This is going to get back to normal. We're going to get back to 18,000 eventually. It's, it's kind of cool. On the bad side, I really do feel bad that we couldn't watch any of those playoff games in person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the one thing where you're watching. It's going like, dang, I wish I would have been there when, you know, Yoel Kiviranta or whoever scored a huge goal, Joe Pavelski. And uh, you, mi you miss right. that because the memories are there from watching on TV. But you're watching on TV. What does that mean? It's not as fun. Well, I guess Sh I, I did. Mike. I did. <laughs> I shouldn't oh have said God. that. Oh, my God. Ouch. Put my foot in my mouth right there. Oh. Like, who would oh want to watch this God. stuff on TV? Come on. <laughs> I'm on one knee over here right now. <laughs> oh, Mike. I enjoy being in the building, Daryl. Totsi, cut his mic. I'll just do the rest <laughs> of it by myself. That this was rough. That was. That was uncalled for. What's wrong with Occam, you? Occam's razor, razor to the throat. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know what I was thinking as the weekend went on and the Stars were scoring power play goals ad nauseum uh, with the Predators' inability to even mix in a kill every now and then was it, it sounded great and it was fun with a goal horn and organic Stars, going ga stars fans going gaga in there. Add another... 16,000 to the volume because uh, they would have gone nuts with the uh, opening night. Uh, that second period, it, it would have been berserk in there. It, it would have been crazy. And I loved it the way it was. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't know whether it sounded as uh, intoxicating in the naked ear as it did in my headset, but it, it sure seemed like we were doing stars hockey and, and they were plowing through an opposition and the fans were into it. Yeah. And, kind and, of a and sassy I, thing you're going to say about that now, Mike. Well, I was just going to say that, 
I'm a I, fan. What are we going to say? I hate fans. No, I don't know I why they put fan. the games on TV. Everyone should just read DallasStars.com. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. We paint pictures with our words, Daryl. Do you? <laughs> I'm a fan. And so then I get a little excited when they win. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? They could be good the rest of the season, maybe beyond. And we could get 18,000 back in here. And wouldn't it be fun to go on a playoff run the normal way? And could that happen this season or next season? And so I do get a little too excited sometimes. But yes, uh, all of the possibilities are out there. And I, I sure hope that they can grasp all this and, and take the fans with them on a nice ride. I think they call that getting ahead of yourself, Mike. A little bit. Sometimes yeah. I do that. But it's fun. It is fun to dream. I agree. Uh, how was your experience? I, I don't, I don't, I saw you briefly down on the platinum level, uh, <laughs> where we do the games from that apparently are, uh, unnecessary to Mike Heike. Uh, but the, uh, the press box, how was it? You guys all separated up there? Or? Oh yeah. 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 It, it, it's not good. Uh, it's fine. What do you it's mean just, it's not good? It's great. It's great. Exact. They're doing a wonderful job. Oh my but god! But part of you the fun Debbie of this Downer. job is interacting with people. And so I saw Les Jackson when I'm going into the building, and then that's the last I saw him. And usually, you you get to sit there with your buddies on press row and make fun of the broadcast, and uh, you know all that kind of. Well, that's good why stuff. you have a podcast now to do <laughs> <I know>. that. <laughs> but there's none of that. Uh, me and Matt DeFranks are sitting in one room. Uh, Saad and Sean Shapiro sitting in another room. Uh, you're six feet apart. You're wearing your mask. You don't communicate much. Um, you don't really have the interaction with Tom Holy or Joe Calvillo or Ben Fromstein or all the guys you normally get to see. You don't get to chuckle it up with the janks and stretch and the intermission. Uh, so it's a little bit lonely up there. And, and oh again, God. I would love to get back to that part of the fun part of our job where, you know, I like, I like people. <laughs> I like seeing people and we're not seeing a lot of people right now. It sounds to me like this had turned into some kind of a frat house or country club for you clowns <laughs> up in the press box. Maybe we'll get some professional writing out of it going forward because I of the pandemic or the pandemic. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, there was business around the league as well. Uh, what would you make of the, the big trade between the division rival Columbus Blue Jackets and the former and probably – soon to be again divisional rivals the Winnipeg Jets uh, I thought it was a great deal uh two got two teams that had issues and I, and I don't even think line is an issue as much as he just had stopped performing the way that they hoped he would and maybe needed a change of uh venue uh so both teams had issues they solved them pretty quickly and uh <laughs> it's going to be funny seeing Patrick Line in the division again. What's he got, like 90 points in 20 games against the Stars or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing. I mean, it, it, the backstory on the entirety of it, and, man, they they carved the, parsed this one and, and carved it apart on the weekend when it happened because uh, it was a significant deal. I mean, it, hard to believe that you have the, the number two and the number uh, three overall picks moved for one another, but maybe this is, we shouldn't be surprised by it. When you, you look at Tyler Sagan's draft year and, and uh, Taylor Hall, and they've moved on to other teams, Taylor Hall, multiple teams. So yeah. it's not what it once was where you, you well, even Seth Jones is on his second yeah. team. Like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm really, I'm workshopping this as I talk, <laughs> but it seems <laughs> it like it's more, yeah, it seems like it's well. more normal than, uh, than you think, but uh, the the um, you know young guys want more immediately than they they don't have the patience that they once had, or maybe the organizations don't have the patience that they once had. I don't know. What yeah, that think? was a tough one. I mean, he had, the the performance he had uh, Dubois in the game that kind of uh, yeah created well, his all three, this. His three minutes and forty five seconds, you mean, or whatever yeah, it was, and it's just like. I get that you're upset, but like you got teammates here, you know. I, you know, yeah. Even, well, even Torts didn't seem like he was the problem. This was this guy didn't want to be there. And yeah. So you know, yeah. it is what it is. The uh, yeah, interesting. Like watching their games, you could just see some. Some obviously was wrong within their group, 
right? Uh, you have somebody that important on your team say that I don't want to be on this team anymore. And then you got to go play with them. And it just didn't look, it, it did not look right. And I've watched a lot more Columbus games preparing for this year because they're in the division than I would have in past. And you mentioned Line, uh, and, you know, he's just such a, he's an artist. He's, he's a pure goal scorer. And with artists, much like Holly probably back in the day, you, you have to live with some of the artistry in order to get to the artistry, you know, the artist's attitude and, and what makes them different and so great. Uh, it, I think you have to live with a little bit in order to get the genius of, of the other part. And maybe that's easier to say from the outside than what you're trying to do internally. But yeah, you're thinking you get a year off from having him score three goals a game against the Stars. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh, uh, okay, we'll see number 29 with the Blue Jackets this season repeatedly. Um, yeah, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see what Torts does with them. Um, the one thing you hear, and, and, you know, you always just hear stuff. The one thing you do hear about Line A is he competes. And that's all Torts really asks. So that might be a good fit for him. Uh, because it, it's funny, when Holly came here, you know, I think all he wanted was respect and, of course, everything else that he could possibly ask for. Uh, no, but he, he wanted to be respected as a hockey player. And, you know, I think Hitch did that for him and asked some things from him, and he kind of liked that. And, and I think the same thing when he went to Detroit. It was a good fit with him and Bowman. And so I think Line might really be a good fit. In, in Columbus, and, and it'll be really interesting to well, see how they he, how they come together. He certainly is what they need more of. They yes, I mean they they just have to squeeze so hard to get offense out of their group. And he's, you know, some guys just have a knack for scoring goals, and he's certainly one of them. Uh, I don't know about the, the 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 breakdown of his past in in Winnipeg though. The the intensity throttle not always being open, I think, was a bit of an issue up there, and and some people had a hard time with it. But and with Holly, it wasn't just the coaches; it was his teammates too. And yeah. and what what they did, because uh, he's such a special player, uh, and and better at some things that he didn't get credit for than than you knew coming in. He's a wonderful passer. He's a terrific hockey mind, not just a shot, but what a shot. And yeah. it makes you, you know, Line a might not be long for Columbus too. Who knows? I mean, they're, he's going to be RFA. And could you see Patrick Line in a Dallas Stars <laughs> <laughs> uniform with all the other Finns? It is funny because, I mean, that is the history of the league. We always talk about, oh, well, how does this happen? This way these kids get traded or whatever. If you're good against a team – there's a lot of times you end up on that team. Yeah. They've, yeah. they've seen you at your best and then they want you. Exactly. And you don't want to get annihilated by the guy anymore. That's one way <laughs> to fix it. Forget about checking him, just acquire him. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like it's like Patrick Maroon, remember? Yep. It's like if you don't want Pat, Patrick Maroon to continue to end your season in the playoffs, maybe you should just sign him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he scores the overtime winner and – in St. Louis, and then he has a hand in things, an epic goal in game six in the final for Tampa Bay. I think he even kidded about that on Spitting Chicklets. <laughs> He's like, I don't know why they don't just sign me. <laughs> just to make sure he doesn't do that again. The hat trick of those. Uh, I I think Dennis Gurionov has the the potential to become uh, that that guy for the stars here. Maybe they don't need to go outside. He's just... He's got such a wicked shot. He's showcased it already. What do you have, like 13 shot attempts yesterday? Yeah. He doesn't and mind using it. Too. Yeah. And he shoots it through the end of the rink. And he's got confidence now. He's, he's been brewing in confidence. Like, it's, he hasn't tapped that yet completely. I, I think he's going to score just a massive amount of goals for this team over the next few seasons. And this year in particular, he's going to get a lot of opportunity in good spots. Yeah, and, and I, thought I like him and, I like seeing that. I like seeing young guys when they get their confidence. That's the best way to build your franchise, you know. And, and I think, yeah. And I think if Rope you can, a, yeah, if you can, Rope's coming along, and and 
you know, he's the one who I think has actually even been more inconsistent than Dennis because he just, you know, there's times when he's spectacular and times when you just don't notice him. But these little five, eight, ten foot passes between the two, they're really good. Uh, you know, especially on the power play, um, Rope's learning to drive to the net, and I think he's taking people with him. And then Dennis is finding the open spots. Uh, so if that can continue, I mean, we've only seen two games of it, but if that can continue, that would be something really sweet to have two guys who you're developing at the same time. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, we had a stat heading into the game on the weekend, and I, I think it was into game two about the number of uh, first round draft picks that were on the or in the lineup for the Stars, and it was it was striking. Uh, speaking of in, internally building this thing. And, uh, you know, with that, the next guy that we're going to see as far as first-round draft picks is going to be Jake Ottinger. I, I, I have to think he, he plays one of these two games against Detroit, right? Um, <laughs> We've been – like, I actually thought it would be a 70-30 split, and then all of a sudden the way that Hudobin's been playing, I'm going, like, 80-20? No, uh, no. Maybe <clears throat> they save him for the back-to-back with Carolina. I don't know. It's – who, well, who knows if you're so even going to play those games, though? Yeah, I mean they're point. they're all messed up in in COVID right now. Yeah, um, and and Jake hasn't started a game in almost a calendar year, and I know what it's like to to play that position and just practice. And not play. I mean, you can try to keep your confidence in in your game readiness as much as you want. Uh, but you, you have to, you have to play and not just mop up. It'd be nice if, uh, you could get in a little bit and get your feet wet again within a game and then start a game, but they might not have that luxury. And here's a nugget for you. Obviously he's not going to take over as the number one goaltender immediately here. They, they have that pretty much under wraps with either one of the guys, Ben Bishop, who's recovering from surgery or or Anton Hedobin has certainly showed once again on opening weekend that he's every bit the number one goaltender um, or has that ability. So the Stars have never, ever, the Dallas Stars have never, ever, ever had a number one goaltender under the age of 26. Wow. That never. is interesting. Because I would have thought Marty would have been in there, but it took him a while. He was, what, three-year backup out of college? So, yeah, 26. Yeah. yeah. So he was 26-plus, and uh, when they acquired Kari Lettinen, I, I think he was 26 at the time, and they had to – obviously, they had to acquire him. Uh, but they've never had uh, a young number one netminder in Dallas. That's interesting. And especially since they kind of uh, – Kind of I mean, created of so they, many with. Start, they've had great goaltenders. Well, and Manny Fernandez, yes. Roman Turek, Mike yes, but, Smith, but they all went and started someplace else. Yeah, they were they were never the number one guy in in Dallas. So yeah. which Jake? Uh, twenty two. So he's got there's there's a three okay twenty one twenty two yeah. he's got a in three or four year window to become the first ever number one netbinder uh, under the age of twenty six. Yeah, he's Bang. going to be an important player this year. He really is. 22. Oh, my God. He's 22. There you go. Yep. I knew it. I just didn't want I'm him to sorry. call Mike out. To call me out. He's the one calling people out <laughs> on this podcast this I, week. I've had a bad podcast, and he didn't want to throw me Yeah, you're, you're nasty rinky-dinking this week, Mike. I don't know what it is about. <laughs> you said to bring my C on. game, so that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I did. I did. And you're managing to do that. Way to go. Uh, and can I uh, speak for the uh, skaters union going against the goalie union? Yes, Please. There's a number one draft pick who's looked pretty good in these first two games here. Who's a skater, Daryl? Uh, that would Delandria. be Ty Delandria. I, I think the world of him. He's yeah, looked really so good out there. And, like, he's probably not going to be a big scorer in this league. But, man, he works hard. No, and no, he he's, the, he, he's the type of individual. To help. They, they, those are the individuals that help you win. Those, those are yeah. glue guys. Like, high-end glue Yep. Like real good epoxy. I think he's, you know, he's not as big as Raddick, but I think he has the ability to have the same impact on the game. And, and I think. The oh, and he, he'll, he'll tick the other side off too. Yeah. Like he, he's, he, he, he's not nasty, but an, an annoyance. Like he's, 
he's like a, a highly skilled, really uh, quick annoyance. And the more experience he gets, the smarter he'll get out there at this level, along with, you know, the effort and sacrifice. And I mean, yeah, he's, he's a good one. He's, I think he's played great. I really do. Yeah, and when you mix him in with Rope and Dennis and, like you said, all the other first-round or guys who are, you know, draft picks for the stars, um, it, it does start to look pretty good for the future. Yeah, and the, the way they, they play. Like, last night was impressive. They, they, were, they were so fast and so in sync with one another. They, they were stifling. They, they, they smothered uh, Nashville, who really wanted to get going, and they couldn't get going. The stars were just too quick. Uh, it was difficult for them, them for the first half of the hockey game to even test Anton Hedobin. And, uh, you know, and then you make your, like you mentioned, your, your stick fouls and stars make you pay. So yeah. it's a pretty good little equation. We'll see how long they can, they can make this, uh, continue or, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure teams are going to try to stay out of the box obviously this week. <laughs> Against them, but it's easier said than done. When you're cha- if if you have to chase a team that plays as quick and individuals are as fast as some of the guys on the stars, you you have no choice. You either say Olay and hope your goalie's really on, or you end up taking reaching fouls from chasing. Good good place to be if you're the Dallas Stars. Yeah, and a little uh, bit different than we've seen in the past. This has been a team that's been not been <clears throat> at the top of the power play opportunity list. Uh, so if they can be one of those teams again, uh, that would be very nice. Yeah. I love it, though. We're just jumping all Two games in, we, we've got them. As <laughs> we, they, got the- <laughs> we got them as they've filled every void. They, they've got the greatest power play in the history of the league, which will continue on for 56 games. And uh, can't wait for the Stanley Cup final between the Montreal Canadiens and Dallas Stars. It'll be awesome. Well, and with these kids, I mean, it's probably for the next eight or ten years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, all of them Hall of Famers at the end of it. <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, bringing your C game here today, and we appreciate that, Mike. We really do. Uh, I, I thought about this. Uh, is you know, There's been a lot of success around here and, and that and thinking about uh, coaching trees more than anything else. Maybe I've been watching too much football or something. Uh, but we, we've spun off some some pretty significant individuals from Dallas Stars uh, Entertainment. I don't think we have really a title. Do we, Totsi? What is it called over there? What would you call it? I don't know. Oh, he's hung up? Are no. you hung up? Are you gone? <laughs> Sorry, we put you to sleep. I was thinking about it. I, uh, we were- you know, like the, the Leafs have, have Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment uh, as their big moniker because they're into all things outside of. Right, right. Uh, I think they call you guys Emmy Town, don't they? <laughs> I mean, uh, is it creative? Creative is that what they call that department? Uh, Dallas Stars yeah, Creative Communications. Services. Yeah, Creative Services and Communications, something like that. All right. Well, it's not exciting. We'll, we'll send that down the pipe along with the theme song to Rinky Dinky. <laughs> See if we can come up with a title. But uh, we. Yeah, for the most part, we've been able to to cultivate and in some ways train individuals and then release them to the wild. Other people see what's going on here and they want uh, the talent. Not you and I, Mike, because obviously, obviously it's on, they're only taking the cream of the crop. <laughs> but have you ever, you ever stopped for a second and, and uh, realized – the, where some of these people are or not? Is it I just have, me? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very impressed. And uh, when I started to travel with you guys and I started to hear people in the building talk about John Sponsler, I'm going like, well, who's John Sponsler? And they go, well, he's one of the best in the league at his position, you know, and, and then you talk about Dougie and, and, and Vito and you guys. Yeah, well, this, it's, that, it's a great crew. That's just us. But, uh, like, if you look – uh, like Jason Walsh runs, he's the executive producer of, of uh, Fox Sports Southwest, which is a hot topic right now, I know, with Stars fans. and We're certainly not going to get into that because I don't understand it completely. I just wish it would all get fixed. 
uh, as far as carriage and, and where you can see games and where you can't see games and what's going on. That's way above our pay grade. Uh, but I mean, he started out, he was doing stats for me and worked his way through and, and was basically running marketing and our broadcast. He was the director of broadcasting. Uh, and now he's, he's over there. That's, that's coming through and doing great things with us. And, and, uh, and now he's done just phenomenal work with all the entities, all the sports over there at Fox. Uh, many people through the years have always talked about our game presentation within American Airlines Center. Even when the team was middling, or not even middling, uh, the, the show was always great, like, like sensational. And, uh, you know, Danby moved on. He, he's uh, at MSG with the Rangers. Our little groups, our, our DJ, uh, who, you know, was just spot on with everything that he provided and, uh, you know, cuddly little bear of a man that he is. And he's going to run things. And he, he ran, did he not DJ and run things during the World Series over there at the, the New Temple? Uh, him and did. Chuck Morgan, I think, both he did. did together. Yep. Yeah, I think he did. And now he's going to, he's doing that over there. You mentioned Dot .com, uh, who started off, you know, writing and uh, moved on through font coordinator in the truck. He was he filled in. He was doing producing for us during the bubble, and that he's he's the producer of uh, Arizona Coyotes hockey now. And I, I'm probably I'm leaving people out. I'm I'm sure. I just those are a few that have been spun off from the greatness of whatever we call it, Dallas Stars creative and entertainment Gaga malarkey and hogwash. Emmy Town. That's what I Emmy call. Town. Well, it's not all. It's not all on television, Mike. We're trying to spread That's it a little true. bit, but but it has been. It has been good. So um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but I just I appreciate that that we've had some excellent people, and we continue to have of those that prop up you and I to make us look better than we actually are. I think that's fair. They're great. And like I said, the fact that you get to go on the road and see how people view them, um, it's behind the scenes stuff, but it's really important. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you and Walsh pretty much come up with the victory green? Weren't you the two uh, leaders in that category? Uh, look, I, I don't want to humble brag my way through this, Mike. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't want to take away from anyone. I, Walsh I just, has had a big impact on this franchise. I just show up and try to, you know, answer the the hows and the whys on the broadcast. And, you know, that's about it. Uh, <laughs> you pointed out how unimportant I am and a little bit hurt. Just that. to me. You're important to other people. You're just unimportant to me. Well, what's important is uh, not, certainly not us. The the hockey department, the uh, team itself, the coaching staff, and uh, a happy birthday to Rick Bonus, who I think turned 66 today. Very young 66. Oh, my God, the youngest. It's just a number. It's just a number. Because well, it's, it's so funny because I'm a car are, guy. 40-year-olds who run their lives and exist in much more of a soggy world than, than he does. I mean, he is sunny and uh, effervescent and energetic, and never, he, he never really changes day in and day out, along with all the, the knowledge that he has and, and the drive that he has. Uh, impressive, very impressive. Again, he's so much like Pete Carroll. Don't you think those two guys are similar? Yeah, definitely. And and just like the, the energy that he gets from practice. I mean, he loves it. He loves to be out there, and it, it does feed his you know his state of mind. And then that becomes contagious, and other people are excited to be there, and it's fun. Uh, I was gonna say I'm a car guy, and so when Rick was up in the bubble, I was BSing with him about the new Corvette and everything. And he can't wait to get out. Like, that was one of the things he missed, that he couldn't get in his Corvette and, you know, get out there and go zero to 60 in 3.8 seconds uh, because he loves that so much. And, you know, that's what I want. If I'm 66 and I'm driving the newest Corvette, I'll feel pretty good about myself. Wow, you get Corvette money now, do you, Mike? <laughs> no. Things are going well no, at DallasStars.com. You know, I'll ask you for a loan. 
Mm-hmm. Well, hey, uh, happy birthday to him. And uh, uh, Jim Nell had the greatest line when he was talking with us uh, the other day, too, when he was talking, he called the, the group, this group, Masters of COVID, which should stick because they, they truly have become that. And we witnessed it on the weekend. I mean, for, for a group to get, to get again, buckled with as many guys as they had, uh, have it and, and be in contact with it and then come out in the opening weekend and absolutely spank your division rivals was stunning. Uh, it really was opening night to go from delayed season to seven Cobb in the opener was, was something that, uh, we didn't see coming and it was delightful to cover. And the, the power play exploits, we'll see if it continues this week against the Detroit Red Wings. And they, they would really impress me. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed, but I, th- I think they have another level to go, Mike. And uh, maybe we'll end with that. I think it, it, they would truly get me giddy if they could do what hasn't been done since 1956. Do you know what that is? No. Well, it involved the Detroit Red Wings, and it was in April of 1956. Uh, That year, it was the last game of the Stanley Cup final. It was the last time that a team uh, scored two power play goals on the same minor. So they've proved that they can score one goal per penalty. And do it repeatedly and regularly. I think it's time to ratchet it up and truly impress the Razor Boy with a multi-power play goal on the same minor penalty. You do set the bar high for people, don't you? Daughter's a high jumper. It's true. Bar keeps going up. Very smart. All right, this was a rambling rinky-dink. This really was. I appreciate all the uh, all the love. Uh, we're still awaiting the theme song. Uh, it was fun. Everybody that was there on opening weekend for the first two games, we appreciate and love you all uh, for making it uh, an atmosphere. Still, I, I think with 4,000 people in the building, it, it's the greatest atmosphere in the league right now. I, I felt that way when it was 18-5 before. No matter where you went, I, I still love games at American Airlines Center. And I, I certainly feel that way now. So kudos to Joe Pavelski, the Stars Power Play, uh, to Jeff Totes, certainly not to Mike Heike, <laughs> who had a real a real edge to him this week in Ranky Dinking. And uh, Mike, if you don't have anything else to say, which I, I hope is the case, Uh, We'll just talk to you at the rink, and we'll rinky-dink again in seven days.